Amen. That was awesome. <laughs> Praise God. Um, I just have a, uh, a short hour and a half treatise I want to go through this morning. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Amen, right? <laughs> um, no, it's interesting how uh, there are certain passages that you've read many, many times and and then you read it one time and something jumps off the page. Well, uh, one of those passages wouldn't normally be included in one, the long genealogies you read through and, you know, Matthew and Luke and Numbers and so forth, but that's what happened to me this week when I was reading uh, the Christmas accounts in Matthew and Luke. I got to Matthew 1.1, right, the first verse in the book of Matthew, and it says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And right there, I was struck with how it announces who Jesus is. And then, of course, it goes through the line of Christ, all that came before him from Abraham to David to the exile in Babylon to Christ. Fourteen generations in between each. Fourteen generations from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, from the exile to Christ. And But that, it was that... Verse 1, that just nailed me. Jesus is announced as the son of David, the son of Abraham. Um, if you've ever done any, you know, looking into your genealogy, there's some interesting things you find out, right? And uh, so I just want to park here this morning um, and look at this passage. Um, I want to draw a few things out of the passage out of this idea of Jesus being the son of David, the son of Abraham, certainly highlights for us that these two men, David and Abraham, are important in God's redemptive story. Um, <clears throat> but it also connects us to something deeper and more profound. When you look at your line, like my name, DeGrote, I've heard, means either the great or the big man. I don't know. So either someone in my line was uh, a great man or a large man. I prefer to think of the great, but uh, who knows. Um, but when we look at the line of Christ, there's something deeper than just bloodline because of the promises made to David and to Abraham and the significance that it, it, that it has not only for Christ, not only for Israel, but for all of God's people that he calls to himself. And so this morning, this might sound strange, but I want you to leave celebrating Christmas today, thinking about Christ as the son of David, the son of Abraham, okay? So let's look at this just a bit. Jesus is the son of David. In terms of the kings of Israel, David was preeminent. I mean, in terms of the human kings of Israel, David was preeminent. He was the prototype. He was a man after God's own heart. And even though Saul was Israel's first king, David was God's man. He was a man after God's own heart. You, you might say Saul was chosen by men, by people, because of his outward appearance. He was an impressive man. He was tall, he was handsome, he was strong. But David was God's man. Da God saw the hidden person of the heart and still sees the hidden person of the heart. And David was his man. And because of this, God made promises to David. Promises that transcended his 
near human line. There's promises that God made to David that, that we certainly attribute to Solomon, but they transcend that. I mean, the language is so exhaustive that it, it, could, it can't be speaking of a mere human king. God promised David that he would establish the throne of one of his offspring forever, that it would be an eternal throne, an eternal kingdom. The prophet Jeremiah spoke of this in Jeremiah 23, 5, when he said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, <clears throat> when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and execute justice and righteousness in the land. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Who's this talking about? Christ. Christ, our Lord. We know that his, he is the Lord, our righteousness. When Gabriel came and announced to Mary that she would give birth to the Messiah, <clears throat> Gabriel said the following, the Lord God will give to him, excuse me, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This kingdom that's being talked about here is the reign of God, the rule of God, the dominion of God. And from what we saw earlier in the prophecy of Jeremiah, it's a reign in which Christ will execute justice and righteousness. When we look around in the world today, people long for justice and righteousness. Some people have a different idea of what that is. But God is the one who determines what's right and just. And Christ is the king, and he's brought his kingdom, and he will execute his kingdom with justice and righteousness. The angel Gabriel again said this kingdom will have no end. And of course, this is an echo of the words that we hear from the prophet Isaiah, right? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will what? Be no end. No end. It will go on endlessly for all eternity. <clears throat> when Jesus was born, the angel came and appeared to the shepherds watching their flock by night. And what did he announce? Not just that a baby had been born, that a Savior had been born, who is Christ the Lord. The Greek word Lord is kurios. His master, the Lord of heaven and earth, had been born. When the Magi came looking, came to Jerusalem, who were they looking for? A baby that had been born. But they said he was, he's a king. A king had been born. Of course, when Jesus came on the scene, his message was clear. When Jesus came proclaiming a message, when he came on the scene publicly, he came proclaiming that the kingdom of God had arrived, and he called men to repent and believe that the kingdom had come because the kingdom had come. The son of David had come, and he brought his kingdom with him. While he was on the earth, he spread his righteous rule everywhere he went. How did he do this? As individuals bowed their knee to his lordship, his kingdom was spreading. As he taught the ignorant, his kingdom was spreading. 
as he cast out demons, as he healed the sick, as he raised the dead, the kingdom of God was advancing. Of course, he spread his kingdom, pre, or has and is spreading his kingdom preeminently by dying for sinners, rising again, ascending to the right hand of God the Father and pouring out his spirit and the gospel advancing in the world. His kingdom is spreading. And get this, Jesus taught us to pray something, the Lord's Prayer, okay? We all know it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's the next phrase? Your kingdom come, or thy kingdom come. That's what we're to pray. Your kingdom come. Jesus is the son of David, the king who is to reign forever and ever and ever. We should pray that, your kingdom come. Jesus taught us to, and we should pray that with expectancy, that it might come, and that it would come, and that it would come more fully. We, as believers in Christ, should seek to live all of our lives under the lordship of King Jesus, bringing every thought down to, bringing every thought captive to obey Christ. Not only that, but we should also seek to advance the kingdom of Christ through prayer and evangelism and Christian education and discipleship just and righteous laws and a host of other means that God would call us to engage in to advance his kingdom. Jesus Christ, the son of David, has come. He's come bringing his kingdom and as the scripture says, of the increase of his kingdom and of peace, there will be no end. But Jesus is also the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. Now Abraham is called the father of the faith. Did you know that? We, we sang a song growing up. Perhaps you did too. Father Abraham. You know that? Father Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, said Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. How does it go after that? So let's just what? Praise, Praise the Lord. Okay, there we go. I forgot that part. <clears throat> well, the idea of that song comes from the New Testament teaching that, G, that Abraham was given a promise from God and he believed the promise of God, even though it looked like, how could, God, how could this happen? He believed God's promise, and because he believed, he was counted as righteous. And you and I have been given a promise by God that if we trust in Jesus, we are saved, and we too are justified by faith in God's promise. The promise to Abraham that God made to Abraham was not just a personal promise just for him, though. We need to recognize that. It wasn't just a private promise that Abraham, in your heart, if, you know, this is just for you individually. It wasn't like that. It wasn't just for Abraham's personal peace and prosperity and blessing and so forth. And I think this is a perennial temptation for Christians, in the, maybe especially in the West. We, we, we focus like a laser beam on the saving work of God, the eternal blessing of God for us. For us, for me, maybe I'll just personalize it, for me. We focus on our personal joy and peace, on our personal provision for our personal needs, on our personal affluence, our personal comfort and blessing. And of course, this is not all wrong. God really does save us personally. God really does things for us individually and our families and so forth. 
We should praise God for all of it. We should rejoice in all that God has done for us and promises to do for us. Is that me? Okay. Um, In and through Christ. But this Christmas, as we think about Jesus as the son of Abraham, we also need to zoom out and understand what God's big plan is for the world and all the peoples of the world. Listen to the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 22, 17 and 18. God said, I will surely bless you and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and as the the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all of the nations be blessed. Did you hear that? That's a pretty expansive promise. Not just for Abraham and his immediate descendants to be blessed, but for all, all of the nations of the earth to be blessed. And Jesus Christ is the son of Abraham. He is Abraham's offspring through whom this blessing comes. Paul makes this clear in Galatians 3 when he says that the Lord Jesus is the offspring of Abraham who will bring the blessing of Abraham to all of the nations. So when Christ came into the world, he came as the son of Abraham, the child who would fulfill God's intention to to bless the entire world. Isn't that amazing? Like the baby born in Bethlehem, in this obscure place in the middle of really, on the, on the world stage, a pretty unimportant place. In a manger, this baby is going to bless the whole world. In him, the blessing of, God's blessing is going to come to all peoples, every nation, all of the families of the earth. This is why missionaries often look to the promise given to Abraham. No doubt Paul did. The promise given to Abraham, where we see the heart of God as fundamentally a missionary God, whose stated purpose is to bless the world. I mean, think about the, the, the Christmas blessing is from a missionary God wanting to bless the whole world. Now, think about that word blessing. Last night, Alyssa and Brian Herbel and the Limers and Adrian and Joseph, and who else? Kaylin, anyone else? Luke played. They uh, sang and played for us the song, The Blessing. It's that number six, the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. What does the word blessing mean? What is it to be blessed by God? Well, the opposite of being blessed is to be cursed. Right, Deuteronomy 28 to the end, like God lays out all of these covenant blessings and curses. Blessings for those who keep covenant, curses for those who don't. Not only that, but the entire creation, including individual people, were cursed when sin entered the world. We have lived under the curse. We have been blessed in Christ, no doubt. But the, all of creation was under the curse of God because of sin. What is it to be blessed by God? Well, 
Psalm 67, one, I think, puts it really well for us. It says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. The blessing of the Lord is for his face to shine upon his people. That's what it is. Fundamentally, that's the blessing of God, to know that God is for us, to live under the smile of God, to know that God is with us and for us with all of his omnipotence and wisdom and that nothing can change that forever. Forgiveness, justification, adoption, and all the other blessings, and they really are blessings, but all of those other blessings are means to that end. This is the great blessing, to be reconciled to the God that we were alienated from, to be called his children, to to know him as our God, to live under his blessed countenance forever. This is the great blessing Christ, the son of Abraham, has come to give us. Listen to how Paul puts this in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. We have gone from cursed to blessed in Christ. To be cursed is to be estranged from God, for God to reject us, to be blessed is to be brought near to God, for God to accept us and for God to smile upon us and to to live under his favorable countenance. We have gone from blessed to cursed in Christ because he became a curse for us by being hung on a tree. Bearing the curse of the law and sin. Now notice Jesus took the curse so that, Jesus took the curse so that this blessing of Abraham that comes through the son of Abraham, Jesus Christ, so that the blessing of Abraham might come to us. And then it says, so that again. Another so that, which tells us the blessing has a purpose, and it's this, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, the blessing of Abraham comes so that we might receive God himself. God the Holy Spirit indwelling for us and with us forever. Revealing the Father and the Son to us forever. This is the blessing of Christmas. God himself coming to us, dwelling with us, dwelling in us. We sang it, did we sing it today? Yeah, we did. Behold our God shall be with us or live with us and be our steadfast light. Jesus is the son of Abraham who makes his blessing flow 
as far as the curse is found throughout the entire world. Which is why the Great Commission is what it is. Jesus said, make disciples of what? All nations. All nations. Not to the neglect of the people right in front of you. Okay? Not to the neglect of the people around you. Right? Disciple your children. Disciple the people around you. Pour into the people right in front of you, beside you, and so forth. But also, may God give us a burden for the name of Christ to be known and magnified throughout the whole world, among all nations. So our Savior Jesus Christ is the son of Abraham, bringing and spreading God's gracious blessing. God himself, to be magnified and praised and known and rejoiced in. He is the son of David, bringing and spreading God's righteous kingdom, God's righteous rule. And so, as we kind of wrap up and as we go and celebrate Christmas today, what should we do? How should we respond to this? I want you to remember two things, okay? I want you to remember what God is up to in the world. What is God up to in the world? Not just in your world, but what's he up to in the world? This Christmas, let's remember that Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham, and he is advancing his kingdom and blessing to the ends of the earth among all the peoples of the earth. And that's his stated purpose. I love Psalm 2. It's a messianic psalm. And I've heard people say that God, this is a promise made to us, but it's not. It's a promise that the Father makes to the Son, to Jesus. Uh, It says... um, uh, you, it, it's a promise that the Father makes to the Son that the, that the nations will be his heritage, his inheritance. And they will be. They are. All the ends of the earth. So let's remember what God is up to. Let's remember this is what he's about, advancing his kingdom and his blessing to the ends of the earth. And let's also remember that the way that he spreads his kingdom and blessing is through his people, through you. Do you remember what God said to Abraham? He says, I'm going to bless you and you are going to be a blessing to others. In fact, he says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Have you received the great blessing of Abraham? Have you received from the son of Abraham, Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham? Have you received this gracious blessing where God himself has come to you and indwells you and has promised to be your God forever and ever and ever. You and I are called to spread that blessing. The way that God spreads his kingdom and blessing is through his people. Have you bowed your knee to King Jesus and his lordship? I'm not asking if you want to go to heaven someday. Who doesn't? <laughs> right? Everyone does if the alternative is hell. Have you bowed the knee to Jesus? Have you bowed your knee to King Jesus? Are you living under his lordship? I'm not saying are you a perfect person. I'm not asking if you never sin, because we do. We all do. But have you bowed the knee to Christ? Are you living 
under his kingdom. That prayer, your kingdom come, is fundamentally, first and foremost, a prayer, may your kingdom come here to me. May it do its work in my heart. And then out from there, my family, my home, my church, my community, and beyond. But fundamentally, have you bowed your knee to King Jesus? Well, then work with his strength and power in small ways, everyday ways, to advance his kingdom. The way that Christ's kingdom and blessing advances is through his people living faithfully and courageously, speaking truthfully and boldly and with love. Amen? And so may we do that. Let's pray. Father, I worship you. I thank you this Christmas day that your son, the son of David, has come.